Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. Friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051, 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org, or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now, here is our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. So, it's prayer that renews our strength to resist temptation. Just like it says in Isaiah 40, verse 31. Isaiah 40, verse 31, they that wait, and you can think of that as prayer, they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. So when the devil comes with a temptation, he usually doesn't come with one. You know, he, he, usually, he usually has a bump stock on his gun. And, and so he's coming with a flood of temptations. It's a flood. And, and his goal is to, to, when we see the flood, is just to go into a paralyzing panic, you know, a, 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 a panic attack of fear. You know, oh, this is wrong, and that's wrong, and this is going to be wrong. And I feel my chest tightening up, and I, I can't walk, I can't think. Where's the bottle? Where's the pills? But, but when we pray, the Lord works in the way of Isaiah 59, 19, Isaiah 59, 19, where it says, when the enemy shall come in like a flood, the Spirit of the Lord shall lift up a standard against him. The standard is the Word of God. It's the authority against him. So God's antidote for this panic attack of anxieties is Philippians 4, 6. Philippians 4, 6, which goes, which says, following what we said, be careful or be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, shall keep or it shall guard, garrison, beset a garrison, guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Now that's the way that we can finally do what it says in Ephesians 6.10, Ephesians 6.10, finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. So that's the second tool that we have, which is to be constant in prayer. First tool, thought check. Second tool, constant in prayer. Third tool, use the word of God. Use the Word of God. You know, the Bible is not just to be, uh, to, 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 for us to know in our minds. It's a weapon. The Bible is a weapon. It's to keep us from falling into temptation. The Lord Jesus used this, used the Bible to fight against Satan and the temptation in the desert. When it says in, in Matthew 4 3, Matthew 4 3, when the tempter came to him, he said, If thou be the Son of God, command these stones to be made into bread. And he answered and said, It is written. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. So much power to say, it is written. 
You know, fall back on the authority of the Word of God rather than I can outsmart the devil. You know, I'm smarter than the average bear, okay? But always fall back on the Word. Okay, which means that the Bible has got to be what it says in Psalm 37, 31. Psalm 37, 31. The law of his God is in his heart. None of his steps shall slide. Why do none of his steps slide? Because the law of God is in his heart, which shows the importance of Psalm 119.11. Psalm 119.11. Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. It's a very active picture to say, I hid in mine heart. You know, God does not hide his word in our hearts. That verse tells us that the word, that we hide his word in our hearts. And there's a big difference between having the word in our minds and having the words in our hearts. And, And so the word of God to be in our hearts, we have to constantly work at it. And that's, that's really what we see in all of Psalm 119 is David working at keeping the word of God in his heart. He says in Psalm 119, 97, Psalm 119, 97, oh how, oh, oh, how love I thy law. It is my meditation all the day, all the day. He starts off the whole Psalms with this in the, in the second verse of the first Psalm, Psalm 1, verse 2. His delight is in the law of his Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night, day and night. Jeremiah said in Jeremiah fifteen sixteen, Jeremiah fifteen sixteen, thy words were found, and I did eat them. I like to eat, but anyway, he says, I did eat them, and thy word was unto me the joy and rejoicing of my heart, for I am called by thy name. So this is what all forms the background and the basis for Colossians 3.16. Colossians 3.16, which says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your heart. You know what the most dangerous times are for us in our lives? Idle times. Idle times. We're so exhausted. We don't want to do this. We don't want to do that. We just uh, That's why it's important if you can't listen to and sing hymns or, or, or listen to the Bible. You know, this is a great thing that we have, those smartphones, you know, and it's great. You know, so you're just sitting there and you're doing whatever you're doing, you're doing whatever you're doing, and you have the Bible just kind of coming at you all the time. That's a good thing. That's a good method. And so this is a tool for putting the Word of God in us and meditating on it day and night. Okay, the fourth, the fourth tool is, is, to, is to give up what takes us away from the word. Give it up. You know, it says that in Hebrews 12.1, Hebrews 12.1, wherefore seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us and run with patience the race that is set before us. If television is a weight that distracts us, give it up, give it up, because there's life beyond TV. Anyway, you look at every aspect in our lives and you ask the one question, does this cause me to be thinking about the Word of God or does it distract me from it? And if it distracts, give it up. The point is, is that our life with the Lord Jesus Christ is a great race. It's a great race, and we're like Nehemiah building that wall. 
build me that wall around Jerusalem, when Sambalat came and said, oh, come down, come down, let's go meet down here in this valley. And it says in Nehemiah 6.3, Nehemiah 6.3, I sent messengers out to them saying, I'm doing a great work so that I cannot come down. Why should the work cease whilst I leave it and come down to you? Now, Reuben, he suffered a lot of loss over this. He suffered a tremendous amount of loss. For one thing, it says in Deuteronomy 27.20, Deuteronomy 27.20 about Reuben, cursed is he that lieth with his father's wife because he uncovered his father's skirt. So Reuben gets a reputation of being a curse because of what he did. Paul said, about, Paul said that, that even the Gentiles find what Reuben did unmentionable. He says in 1 Corinthians 5.1, 1 Corinthians 5.1, it is reported commonly that there is fornication among you and such fornication is not so much as named among the Gentiles that one should have his father's wife. So he, he really loses, he, he becomes like a curse, cursed, and then he, he loses his possessions because of this in Israel, because it says in 1 Chronicles 5.1, 1 Chronicles 5.1, the sons of Reuben, the firstborn of Israel, for he was the firstborn, but for as much as he defiled his father's bed, his birthright was given to the sons of Joseph, and the genealogy is not, mentioned, not reckoned after the birthright. So he lost, he lost a lot. He, all, he, he also lost, he lost, he lost his position and, and he lost also his influence. You know, it wasn't really Judah that was supposed to be the leader. It's supposed to be Reuben. He's supposed to be the one who influences them, the brothers. And you can see he lost this in, in Genesis 42, 21, Genesis 42, 21, when, when they said one to another, we are verily guilty concerning our brother, it'd be Joseph in that we saw the anguish of his soul when we besought us and we would not hear. Therefore, his distress has come upon us. Reuben answered, saying, Spake I not unto you, saying, Do not sin against the child, and ye would not hear. See, he lost his influence. He would not hear. He said, You would not hear. Uh, he lost his leadership role. And then, in, if you see something interesting here in verses 3 and 4 of this chapter 49, in Genesis 49, verses 3 and 4. Now, let me ask you a question. When you look at verses three and four, does Jacob use the same pronoun to refer to Reuben all throughout verses three and four? Well, okay. What pronoun does Jacob use in verse three? Yeah, yeah. Thou art my first, thou. And he continues to use this, this is a second person pronoun. Thou in verse four, thou shalt not excel. Thou wentest up to thy father's bed, when then defilest thou it. But at the end of verse 4, Jacob changes and uses another pronoun. What's this personal pronoun that he uses at the end of verse 4? He. He. What's going on here? Why does Jacob change from the second person pronoun, thou, or you, to the third person pronoun of he. Why did Jacob change from calling Reuben he to calling, uh, calling Reuben, started off calling Reuben you, and then he changed to calling him he? In the same sentence, he's speaking directly to Reuben, and then he switches to speak about Reuben. The picture we're getting here is that Jacob has turned, first he addresses, he shames him in front of them all, 
And he and then he addresses and tur- and, and 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 he turns to the rest of the sons and he says, "He went up to my couch." You get the picture? You went up to my couch. Then he said, "He went up to my couch." So he at first he's talking right to Reuben. He's telling him he has stripped him of his position of being the firstborn, and he explains to the rest of the group why he has stripped him of vision. He went up to my couch. It shows that that uh, that, that uh, Jacob is now using Reuben as a warning, a warning against rash, impulsive, uncontrolled sexual passions. Now, this was a great downfall for Reuben. This is a great downfall, and he comes crashing. And not only for Reuben, it's a great downfall for Jacob. You can see Jacob's all of his hopes and, and great expectations come crashing down as he says to him, you will not excel. You will not excel. You are unstable as water. Thou shalt not excel. Now, it, it all comes crashing down, this wave of lust that came over Reuben. And he couldn't uncontrol his sexual desire. And he, and, he, and he says, unstable as water. Now, that's an interesting Hebrew word because when it says unstable, it's the Hebrew word that means boiling over. You know, like you're cooking something on the stove, like soup, whatever, and it boils over in the pot. And that describes Reuben's uncontrolled passion. It just boiled over. And... and, and um, Instability. This is instability, unstable as water. And this is the downfall of Reuben. And that's why we're warned in James 1 6, James 1 6, let him that ask, uh, in, let him ask in faith, nothing wavering, for he that wavereth, unstable, like a wave of the sea, driven with the wind and tossed. Let not that man think that he shall receive anything from the Lord. A double minded man is unstable in all his ways. And, and we can see this Reuben. Reuben's looking at, oh, she's pretty. Should I or should I not? But I want to. But God said, don't desire to. In, in, in Deuteronomy 5.21. Deuteronomy 5.21 is God saying, don't desire to. Deuteronomy 5.21. Neither shalt thou desire thy neighbor's wife, much less thy father's wife. Neither shalt thou covet thy neighbor's house. So, the Reuben, the name Reuben, it means see a son, but at this point, Jacob is saying, hide the son, <laughs> hide the son, you know, because you're not going to go forward. He's stripped. And it's interesting, in the history that follows, no prophet was from the tribe of Reuben, no king, no prince, no judge will ever come from Reuben except for Dathan and Abiram, who led the great rebellion against Moses and were killed. Now, he says, Jacob goes on to say in verse 4, thou wentest up to thy father's bed, then defilest up. He went up to my couch. Now, literally, in the Hebrew, it's saying, you mounted up. You mounted up. You mounted up to a place that wasn't yours, your father's bed. Your father's bed, meaning the place of sexual union. This was his father's place, and you made it dirty. You defiled it. You defiled it, as we saw. And uh, now, when it says here, and uh, when you go back and see what actually happened, as we already read in Genesis 35, 22, it says it came to pass when, when Israel dwelt in the land that Reuben went and lay with Bilhah, his father's concubine. And then it says, and Israel heard it. And Israel heard it. Now, when it says that Israel heard it or Jacob heard it, that probably means 
that the only persons who knew about what Reuben did was Reuben, Bilhah, and Jacob. So we can assume that, that Reuben's brothers didn't know about this. They didn't hear about this until now. Because, because well, first of all, judging how they killed Shechem and, and, the, and the whole city, because Shechem raped their sister Dina, and they said, shall he treat her like a harlot? Well, what do you think they would have done to him? It, 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 the sons of Bilhah especially, they would have killed him for treating their mother like a harlot. So we can be sure that Reuben, it, it, this was a secret, the secret sin, and Reuben just would have preferred that it stayed that way. I mean, he hoped that, it, look, it's been a long time, maybe just be forgotten. And it did stay a secret until Jacob on his deathbed. And he brought it all out in the open, just like the Lord Jesus said would happen in Luke 12, 2, Luke 12, 2, where he said, there's nothing covered that shall not be revealed, neither hid that shall not be known. And I'm sure King David, in hit with, with, with his, his excursion, I'm sure that King David would have preferred that his sin with Bathsheba just be kept a secret. Certainly not written in the eternal water of God. Every time you read the Bible, he's got, oh, no. And, but this was 40 years, 40 years ago that Reuben did, had committed this, this sin with, with Bilhah. And he just kind of hoped, you know, maybe oh, 40 years bygones be bygones. But that's not the way it works with God. And what that shows us is that now is the time today to make things right that need to be made right before you die or before someone else dies. Because there's no such thing as an unconfessed, undealt with sin that will not be, uh, that, that will not be uh, uncovered. I remember how in the early 80s, a couple from Chicago worked for us. And, and they were students at Christian Heritage College. They came to work when the company was in my garage. And, and, and his name was Tim. And, and one weekend, Tim couldn't come to work. And I said, you know, where were you? What happened? He said I, he had to go home to Chicago because that weekend he had to go home and ask his dad's forgiveness for being a rebellious son. Because he, he, what was important for Tim was for 1 Corinthians 3.13. 1 Corinthians 3.13, which says, every man's work shall be manifest, for the day will declare it, because it will be revealed by fire. So the loss that Reuben experiences here is tremendous. And when it says, when Jacob says, you went up, or you mounted up to my couch. Literally, that, 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 and twice he says that. Now, it's believed that there was a custom in those days, that in that tent there, that the bed was actually on an elevated part of the floor. It was elevated above it, you know, kind of like a sacredness place. And you had to mount up, and, and Jacob says, you mounted up. Now, this was a scar that, that Reuben had, that, that, that is, uh, that albeit forgiven, nevertheless, in Proverbs 6.32, Proverbs 6.32, it says, whosoever committeth adultery with a woman lacketh understanding, he that doeth it destroyeth his own soul, wounded dishonor shall he get, and his reproach shall not be wiped away. Can he be forgiven? Yes. Will his reproach be wiped away? No. And this was 40 years ago, 40 years ago. Time doesn't wipe it away. Time doesn't wipe it away. In, in Leviticus 20.11, Leviticus 20.11, the man that lieth with his father's wife 
hath uncovered his father's nakedness, both of them shall surely be put to death. Their blood shall be on him. Oh, it's a good thing that he got mercy. All right, now we shouldn't dwell on this, but, but it shows us that God wrote this in his book. And as we think what happened to Reuben, it makes us see the, the importance of Philippians 4.8. Philippians 4.8. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, lovely, good report, any virtue, any praise, think on these things. Now, you look at this, this passage here about Reuben, and you say, this is God's people? This is, this is the people of God? This kind of thing going on? And the answer is yes, because God is not hiding this. He's accu- accurately recording this, all so that we can understand what God means when he says in Jeremiah 17.9. Jeremiah 17.9, God says, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. He's not just saying the heart of Reuben is deceitful and desperately. He's talking about the heart of all all people, all of us, you and I, is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? The Lord says, I, the Lord, search the heart. So God's goal in giving this history of Reuben is to make us never trust in the integrity of our hearts but keep us constantly running to God for help. And that's why all of this is recorded about Reuben, about David, so that we will never do what it says in 1 Corinthians 10, 12, 1 Corinthians 10, 12, which says, Wherefore, let him that thinketh he standeth take heed, lest he also fall. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for recording all of this for us, to help us, Lord, to help give us an understanding of how we need to be that Israel that clings to God and, and, uh, and not be uh, feeling that we are self-sufficient. In Jesus' name, amen. Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened to and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org and sign up for his daily devotional. Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestorationministries.org. You can write to Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711330, P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California. Santee, California, 92071. Or email Tom Cantor at tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Tom Cantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Or for more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. Reach Israel. Join Tom Cantor for the second annual Israel Restoration Ministries Jewish Evangelism and Training Conference in San Diego, California, February 22nd and 23rd at the Creation and Earth History Museum. Early bird registration, only $99, includes a two-day conference pass, 
meals, teaching, creation museum, and tabernacle admission, plus over $150 worth of equipping resources. Come hear Tom Cantor, Dr. Michael Brown, Dan Sered, and more on how we can reach the lost in America and Israel on February 22nd and 23rd. Call 619-599-1104, 619-599-1104, or sign up at ReachIsrael.com. That's ReachIsrael.com. What are you doing Sunday nights? Join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at the Creation and Earth History Museum in Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for the Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. Grow deeper in God's Word with the Friendship with God King James Version Study Bible prepared by Tom Cantor. This genuine lambskin large print study Bible features the history of Israel, full-color timeline and maps, frequently asked questions about the Jewish Messiah, prophecy and fulfillment study, Hebrew root notations and definitions, the life study of Joseph, and so much more. Order your copy today for only $49.95. That's $49.95. And receive a free personal signed copy by Mr. Tom Cantor, along with your name engraved on the cover. To order your Friendship with God Study Bible, call 1-800-247-3051. That's 1-800-247-3051. Or visit us at creationbookstore.com. That's creationbookstore.com. 